Welcome to Corpus Christi Anglican Church. I'm Morgan, our planting clergy. Our vision of this church is to become a common people in common prayer for uncommon transformation. This podcast is where you will hear our sermons and other teachings that have happened at Corpus Christi. We primarily serve the region of Springfield, Franconia, and Kingstown. We're glad that you're here. Thanks for taking time to listen. Here's the message. It's a a joy to be here with you. Um, This is my first uh, time out, and so uh, be gentle with me. Uh, It's good to be here. What a joy to be with you, Father Morgan, and with the people of this delightful uh, community of Corpus Christi. We had a great time yesterday and had a nice time with Morgan and Ashley last night. So um, today we begin Lent. Uh, as you know, this is a, a journey that we take in the church toward the cross and resurrection of Jesus. And we spend these weeks following our Lord to his cross and, and watching as he lives the spiritual life before us that we might learn from him and know how to live his way also. Right out of the gates this first Sunday, we deal with an issue that is common to everyone, and it is the issue of temptation. We heard it in our collect, we heard it in our lessons, and we heard it just a moment ago in Matthew's gospel. Following Jesus' baptism, as the Spirit of God came upon him, as he came up out of the waters, the affirmation of the Father's heart, this is my Son, with whom I'm well pleased. Immediately, we're told in Matthew 4.1, then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And ever since the Garden of Eden, temptation has been the common experience of all people. It is not something that you can escape. And our Lord Jesus, who came to identify with us, to live as one of us, is no different. He faced temptation also. Very real, he faced temptation. There's no escaping its presence. The real question is, when temptation comes, will you give in to it or will you resist it? Will you give in to it, or will you resist it? The humorous Oscar Wilde said, I can resist anything except temptation. (laughs) And of course, Mark Twain said, there is a charm about the forbidden that makes it unspeakably desirable. Unspeakably desirable. The The social reformer Lyman Abbott said, every life is a march from innocence through temptation to virtue Every life is a march from innocence through temptation to virtue or to vice. And so today, as we begin the Lenten season, we begin where Jesus's ministry began, dealing with temptation. Specifically, I want to look at three things today. What temptation is, what temptation involves, and how temptation can be overcome. That seems like an appropriate place to begin this Lenten season. First, what temptation is. In the Greek language, the word is parasmos. That's the word for temptation. It, it basically, it actually means to test. It's a, it's a neutral word. Um, what makes a test positive or a test negative, whether the testing is for good or for evil, depends on the intent of the one giving the test. And when the temptation is an enticement to evil and an an allurement or a seduction to sin, then it's temptation. The scripture is very clear. God is never 
never the one to tempt us. He never tempts us. James helps us with this. Chapter 1, let no one say when he is tempted, I'm being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. I mean, remember the character of God. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. God is love who proves his love through the outpouring of his life. God is holy, holy, holy. Now, when the test is simply a hardship or an ordeal or a difficulty, then the scripture calls it a trial. And all of us go through trials, right? If you've lived any amount of time, you've been through a few trials along the way. And those are very different from temptations. In fact, the scripture tells us that trials actually strengthen us like a spiritual workout. It's like pumping iron for your spiritual life, building up strength. And they are used by God for our ultimate good, not for evil, to shape us, to hone us, to increase our faith and our character. James again helps here. Count it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. So, for instance, in 2012, I experienced some deep health issues. And, and you know, I was, I was amazed at how many of my parishioners at the time were like, is God doing this to you? I had a few even say, have you done something wrong? Like God's out to get you, right? And, and isn't the way, that the way our mind often wants to go? But what I realized and what I walked with God through it, God didn't send that illness, that trial. No, actually, God was the one who walked me through it and honed my character and drew me closer to his heart in the midst of it. It really was a test and a trial, and it grew me. James says, blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. So notice that trials, hardships, test our faith that we might receive the loving promises of God. It's very easy, isn't it, to doubt God's heart in the midst of a trial? And yet, those trials actually help us to receive God's promises of love. His promises of love for each of us. Now, conversely, when temptations are evil, they're intended for evil, they're used by Satan to draw us away from God, to weaken our faith, to destroy our hope, to dampen our joy, to steal our peace, to remove the fruit of the, of, of the Spirit in our lives. To move us away from God's best. To damage our relationship with the Lord. And so we see Jesus there in the wilderness being tempted. Right? Enticed toward evil. And how did that happen? Well, he was being enticed to move outside of God's plan for him as the son to also be the suffering servant. The one who would be rejected, betrayed, and ultimately would go to the cross for our salvation as a sacrifice for us. Yet the temptation was move to an easier way, a kinder, easier way. We see it in Adam and Eve there in that first lesson, tempted by Satan in the garden. To do what? To doubt God's character and God's goodness. God must be holding out on you, says the devil. 
And of course, to, to doubt God's word, surely God didn't say. And to doubt the penalty for moving away from God's word, it will not surely die. And of course, they took the bait, didn't they? They moved away from the plan. And it brought deep, deep pain, death to their lives and to the lives of every one of us who have followed them. Every person has experienced the tragedy of that giving into temptation, which was sin. Now, thanks be to God. Jesus didn't fall prey as they did. As our second Adam, he secured salvation for all who trust in him. That's Romans 5. I won't go into that text, but that's worth spending some time in because that's what Paul's telling us. Out of the trespass of the one, many die. Out of the obedience of the other, many have life. And that's just a quick summation for time's sake. I'll, I'll keep moving. <laughs> The thing about temptation, though, and think about your own life, is that it's often hidden and it's disguised as something good. So, um, kids, have any of you seen um, Snow White? Anybody seen Snow White, the Disney movie Snow White? Now, think about Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. The Wicked Queen is jealous of Snow White's beauty. And so she disguises herself and brings Snow White a poisoned apple. And the apple looks so pretty and it smells good and it looks good. And, of course... When she tasted, it's delicious, but then it's meant to steal her life away. It puts her to sleep with the hope that ultimately she would die. I like the way that the pastor, Tony Evans, says. He says, temptation is like a worm on a hook. You got any fisher people in the room? All right, so like a worm on a hook. This is what he writes. Why does a fisherman put a worm on a hook? To hide the real deal. <laughs> to disguise what's really going on. It's not about the worm. The worm is the attraction. The real deal from the fisherman's standpoint is the hook. But a fish is not going to go swimming toward a hook. Fish are dumb, but they're not crazy. (laughs) A fish won't head for a hook. But it will swim toward a worm, not understanding that the worm is covering the real deal. And so it is with temptation. So that's what temptation is. It's this enticement toward evil, an allurement. A seduction to sin away from God to draw you from the one who loves you and who has good for you. So let's think about what temptation involves. James keeps helping us here. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Let me tell you how you don't, whoops, let me tell you, I'm missing a page here. (laughs) Keep me humble, Lord. (laughs) Temptation arouses desire, right? It makes an appeal. It promises to bring you fulfillment outside of God's way. And, And doesn't that evoke tension within? If the spirit is in you, then temptation will evoke attention within. Remember the cartoons with the angel on one shoulder and the devil on the other, and the angel saying, just hold on, trust God. And the devil's on the other shoulder saying, be like Nike, just do it. (laughs) It's okay. It's not that bad. Just a little compromise. After all, everyone does it. No one will know. The ends justify the means. And so it goes, right? And then you choose. In obedience, even if it's in the midst of a hard situation, brings that peace that passes understanding. 
And what happens in disobedience? Oh, you might feel an outward peace for a moment. But it always leads to the stealing away of joy in life. Stealing away of peace. Unless, of course, you let your conscience be hardened over time by repeatedly giving in. The Christian counselor, John White, is a really great illustration of a piano. A piano being played. This is how the devil attacks each one of us. If you open up a piano and you sing into it, the string of the corresponding note will begin to vibrate. Now, that won't happen with me because I'm a terrible singer. <laughs> but, but if we had somebody who could hit a note really well, that piano would begin to vibrate according to the note that's being sung. And so the enemy attacks each of us and even whole communities based upon that note, right? He's trying to get us to reverberate. He's trying to work on that place. He cannot make a good person bad, but he can make a flawed person worse. And of course, we're all flawed people. So he plays on what's already there in you. And that is often unique to you. But you might actually be drawn to other people who have that same chord, right? Chiming away inside. We make partnerships based upon these things. We find whole friend groups based upon these areas of our life that are chiming away. Your specific chord may be different from that of your husband or wife or brother or friend. And, and then it's easy to judge them. Why do they give in to that all the time? Because that's not your cord, it's theirs. And isn't that where tension amounts in our relationships? And it's so easy to distance ourselves from one another, from whole communities. And I think that the enemy even, even I think, he even comes after areas so that if there are whole groups of people with similar enticements, even strength sometimes, He guts us to to get chiming on certain chords, and then we miss God's best. So let's take, for instance, this wider region. Many successful people, I'm sure many of you are. Many gifted and talented and strong and capable people, smart people, affluent people, well-respected and rewarded in the world. And so that chord is chiming in many of our hearts and lives And the enticement is to find our value there, to find our ultimate fulfillment there, and in the process miss perhaps God's best, which leads to tension in marriage. And you suddenly find yourself not knowing your spouse and wondering, how do we get so far apart? Or you miss your children's lives because you've been so busy even doing sometimes good things that aren't ultimately God's best things. And so I I would encourage you to, to... to become aware of the chords of your own heart, you might have to ask a spouse or a friend, hey, I'm noticing this. Do you see this in my life? And as a community in this Lenten season, you might talk about some of those things that would keep you from investing in relationships, in, in going deep in the vision of God in this place, in looking out for the people around you who are lost and desperate for a Savior. Do you know the chords chiming in your heart and the chords chiming in this community? It's important. So lastly, how do you overcome temptation? Let me first say how you don't overcome it. You don't overcome temptation in your own strength. It it won't work, especially for successful people. Um, 
that's actually probably going to get you in trouble. <laughs> and I hold up my hand and say, yep, that's where I get in trouble. And some years ago, there's a Super Bowl commercial. You know, they often just have these brilliant commercials. This was a Mercedes-Benz commercial. And the ad started with this kind of 30-something, 40-something man in a cafe looking out the window at these two workmen. They're unveiling a billboard for a new Mercedes CLA, I think. And his eyes are looking at the car longingly. You can just see, oh, I want this. Desire is being evoked within him. And then this Satan-like figure appears across the table. It's William Defoe, if you know who that is, right? He says, nice car. And the young man agrees, it sure is. And then the devil holds out this gold fountain pen and a contract, right? He says, you can have the car. Just sign on the bottom line. You can have everything that goes with it. And then as the young man grabs the pen, he starts to visualize this series of scenes of what he could have, right? First, he sees this Mercedes, and he pulls up, and he gets out to a red carpet. He's got this beautiful woman on his arm. The next scene, he's at a nightclub, and he's dancing with his buddy, the singer-songwriter Usher. (laughs) Then in the third scene, he's a model being photographed, and there's now a mob of women chasing after him. Right? So he jumps in the Mercedes, and he's suddenly in a Formula One race, and he's going across the line. And what's he doing? He's winning, of course, right? He's the lead car. And then the ad shifts back, and the tempter says, so what do you say? And the focus is on the young man. And he looks at the contract, and he looks at the pen, and then he looks out the window at the billboard where he sees the relatively low price of the Mercedes. And he says, thanks, but I think I've got this. And the tempter disappears in a cloud of smoke. Now, they weren't trying to be biblical, but there's some masterful, I don't know, maybe they were. There's a masterful picture of the world's temptation and the way desire works. And then, of course, the solution that we so often go to goes right back to the garden. I've got this. Even to the enemy, we say that. We say it to God. We say it to me. I can do it in my own strength. That is the supreme, supreme way to not overcome temptation. You can't do it in your own strength. That's why most of our annual New Year's resolutions don't work. Because we're trying to do them in our own strength. So how do you overcome temptation? Well, you've got to know God. You've got to know God's heart. You've got to know God's word and purpose in your heart. That you want to follow him with his help. You're not meant to go this life alone. That is not God's intention for you. That's why he saves you that you might walk out life together. Now think about what Jesus saw and what the deal was with him in the wilderness. Each temptation, what did he do? The enemy comes at him offering him something that would fulfill either a legitimate desire, something that he wanted. I mean, he was hungry, so he offers him food. And what does Jesus do? He refutes it with the scriptures. Make those stones bread. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. That's straight Deuteronomy. Throw yourself down. God won't let you be harmed. Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Deuteronomy again. Just bow down and worship me. All the world is mine and I'll give it to you. You'll have what you came for. And Jesus again from Deuteronomy says, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. He knew his father's heart. And he was in the power of the spirit in the wilderness. And he refuted every temptation with the word of God. 
And so we must know that word. Not, not to have a rule book, principles and life hacks, right? That's what shallowness is looking for. How do I get ahead? No, 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 no. This is about intimacy with the God who loves you, hiding his word in your heart, as Paul says, that it might be the sword of the spirit you use in those moments when temptation comes, that it might be the lens through which you look at the world so that you might discern in the hard times, which are where in the middle of real life, when you're in the business deal and you know something's wrong. And that that chord is resonating inside. Just do it. Everybody does it. But you know, no, 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 no. You've got to have the word there to help you. In the midst of being a parent and dealing with the frustrations and the challenges that go with it, knowing how God's word can shape you and help you to love your children well and to shape them for their future, not just into behavioralism, but into the very heart of God. So you have to feed on the word and feed on his presence, not just here on Sunday, by the way, because if this is your main meal and this is a good meal we're going to have today, both this word and the body and blood of Christ. But if that's all you eat, you're going to be hungry and anemic by at least Tuesday. Some of you might stretch to Wednesday. I don't know. Some of you might have a hard time by this afternoon. And so know what to do when temptation comes your way. Sometimes you just have to flee it, my friends. You flee to Jesus, but but don't mistake that first step of fleeing from it. I don't know if you're a fan of Monty Python and the Holy Grail, right? But sometimes you just have to run away. (laughs) Run away. Run away. And that is especially true of sexual temptation. Get out of there. If you're an alcoholic, avoid the bar. Get the booze out of the house. Get into AA. If you're tempted to gossip, you might have to put some distance between you and those toxic friends who are filling you with critical words and partnering with you in offense. If you're tempted to envy, you might need to fast from social media over this season. And if you're tempted to go it alone, please hear this. Please get involved in this church. You are made to walk this life with one another. 1 Corinthians 10. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to everyone. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Let me wrap it up because we've got a little more to do. I would be remiss if I didn't say this. When you fall prey to temptation... Not if, but when. Remember that your enemy on the front end says it's not that bad. And then after you've given in says how dirty you are, how terrible you are. You shouldn't even go to church today. No, 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 no. Flee to Jesus. He understands. He's been tempted in every way. He is a great and faithful high priest. And his arms of love, which were spread out on the hardwood of the cross, are open. So I say to you this morning, my friends, whatever you come in here bearing in your heart and your soul, wherever the wounds are, the failures are, come to the altar. Come to the Lord who loves you. His heart is for you. His love has forever been demonstrated through the cross. I know this. It's new every day. Great is his faithfulness. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you and praise you 
Would you meet us and heal us and forgive us and strengthen us and teach us, Lord, through your loving spirit, through your powerful word, through the power of community, how to resist the temptations that come our way. That Jesus may be praised and the world might see a Savior who is truly good. We pray, Lord, in your holy name. Amen. Amen.